if you all would, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We've got a, a lot of uh, moving parts tonight, a lot of things that we're going to do, and so I'm not going to preach for terribly long because I don't want us to, uh, to feel rushed as we, uh, as we look at baptism, as we partake in communion, as we take time to pray. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll begin reading in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Pray with me. Our Father, we are grateful for our time that we have together we get to sing to you, we get to read your word and be shaped by it, and we believe that through your spirit, opening up your word is a mighty power to transform us, to make us look more like Jesus, and we pray that would happen. We pray that no attention would be drawn to any man, whether it's a musician or a speaker or anyone, but all our attention would be fixed on you, Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak tonight, that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a lot of things that um, I really loved about my freshman year at the University of Georgia. I mean, you, you love the freedom that immediately comes when uh, you, you can stay out as late as you want. You could, you know, pretty much do whatever you want. Uh, I loved the new friends that I was meeting. I, I liked going to football games, tailgating. Um, but probably what I liked most was the meal halls, at, at least at Georgia. They were phenomenal. You could have whatever you wanted any time you wanted. And so if, if I wanted, you know, pizza, you know, for lunch or for dinner available every night uh, or Mexican food or Chinese food or any kind of American food. And so I, I ate five times a day. I would always have uh, two lunches and two dinners. And I, I love the food there. But one of the things I realized I missed and it surprised me was I missed my mom's cooking. The reason that's surprising is my mom was a terrible cook, an absolutely terrible cook. But it wasn't so much the food, it was, it was the community, it, it was the family that ate together. I don't know about you, but I grew up with family dinners um, in which we were all forced to sit down at a table together and eat together. Uh, the meals, like I said, my mom wasn't a great cook, that's putting it mildly, she fixed, not just on one or two occasions, often things like liver um, and collards together, and, and we would be forced as children to eat that. 
the only things like we really enjoyed and we were excited about was sloppy Joe night or taco night. I mean, those, those, were, those were the winners, but there were only a few winners in this household. Uh, and we would all gather around at the table and we were to eat and we were to have good dinner discussion, as my mom would say. You know, you couldn't just talk about anything, certainly nothing vulgar or anything like that. That's not appropriate for the table. We're going to have some good conversation. And so we tried to have good conversation. Uh, we even had uh, family breakfast together on Saturdays, in which my dad, no lie, would have breakfast on the table 6 a.m. every Saturday. And so we would all gather around, and we would have to eat breakfast together during that time. Uh, it, it was pure misery, actually, thinking back. Uh, pure, pure misery, but I do think of it fondly for some reason. In keeping with this tradition of the family meals, our family eats together every night. And I would say that one out of every three is really good. All right? The meals are always great. But, but, but one out of three family dinners actually doesn't end with a fight uh, or with food being thrown or for somebody complaining if it's, they don't like the taste, they don't like the texture, or they don't like the person sitting next to them, or they didn't want milk, they wanted water. I didn't want water with ice. I wanted water without ice. All right, that, that's a common, common theme, common meal. It, parents are all nodding. They're like, yes, yes, uh, it, it doesn't get better. But we are committed to doing it anyway. We're committed to having our meals together. It's something that the early church was committed to as well. In, in Acts 2.42, you read that they, the early church, they dedicated, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And, and the word there, breaking of bread, some scholars uh, think that, well, that was a meal that they just ate. They had potluck dinners, a whole lot. And others would say, no, that's referring to communion. And the answer is yes on both of those because the Lord's Supper, communion, was never done apart from a meal. And so what was happening was the early church was gathering often to eat together, to commune with one another, and to commune with the Lord in partaking of the Lord's Supper. Um, and I would imagine that probably for the early church, one out of every three meals was good. And that they probably had a whole lot of fights and a whole lot of arguments just like our family does and maybe the family that you grew up in. Seriously, you, you would have Jews and Gentiles eating together who had never eaten together before. You think that my kids argue over what they're going to eat? Put Jews and Gentiles together and, and the argument will begin. But yet they did come together and eat. You, you had two completely different traditions, you, you know, of, of how you would go through life. And this affected all of their lives. Gentiles had a completely different life than the Jews did, yet they came together at the table. You had rich and you had poor gathering at the table, different classes. That didn't happen at that, at that time. And so I, I'm sure there was a lot of friction that happened when Christians came together to eat, partake of the Lord's Supper but they were committed to it. You know, one of the reasons when you go through uh, the New Testament, you have all of these one another's. There's over 70 one another's, like love one another, be kind to one another, be compassionate with one another, forgive one another. 
Well, the reason you have to tell people to forgive one another, be kind to one another, tenderhearted to one another, forgive one another, the reason you have to say those things is because people were getting on one another's nerves. The early church, their mealtimes probably weren't the most peaceful. There was need for forgiveness, need for kindness. And yet despite all that, they were committed to eating at the same table together. If you look at the early church, uh, maybe the Corinthian church, the first chapter, uh, chapter of Corinthians says that there are many divisions among you. People were very divided and fighting. And it manifested itself at the Lord's Supper, in which the divisions even came there when they were eating. And Paul said, stop it. Stop it. Not stop taking the Lord's Supper. Not stop eating together, but stop fighting. Come together serve one another. And then he reminded them of the meaning of the meal. And that's what I want us to do, is to remember the meaning of this meal. It's what we call a sacrament in the church. And Jesus could have picked any number of things as a sacrament in order for us to remember him. He, he could have picked a song, his favorite song, and said, you know, I want you every night to gather together and sing this song. Or he could have uh, given them something to read every night. I want you to, to read this and remember me. But he doesn't. He chose a meal. He picked breaking bread and drinking wine together. Why? Of, of everything that was at his disposal, why did he pick bread and wine? I want to give three reasons. First, we've already kind of looked at. It reminds us that we are family. I say this often, and I hope this sinks in, and I will continue to say this. Christ gave his body to create a body. He gave his body to create the church. Through the Holy Spirit we are actually closer together than any kind of blood relative or kin. That's astounding. All right, you, you can be a, uh, you know, long-haired, tattooed, liberal, uneducated. You, you have posters of Hillary Clinton on your wall. But if, if you believe in the Lord Jesus and he has saved you, then we have more, common, more in common than, you know, a, a clean-cut conservative guy who's had the same haircut for the last 40 years who doesn't know Jesus. We have far more in common. We have a bond that endures for eternity. God has built something unique in this family, and we're to have family dinner together. Second, Jesus chose for us to have a meal together as a way to remember him because, because we need food to live. We need food to live. Food sustains us. Food nourishes us. And just as you cannot live without food, you cannot live without Jesus. Just as your bodies hunger for bread, we hunger for Jesus, remember, he called himself that he is the bread of life. He's the one we hunger for. He is the one who nourishes our souls. 
And in this mysterious way, when we come to this table here and we eat the Lord's Supper together, Jesus comes and he communes with us and we, we feast on him, we nourish our souls on Jesus. Third reason Jesus chose bread and wine, a meal, as a way to remember him is because eating together is necessary for a celebration. It's necessary for a celebration. You can't celebrate without food. Have you noticed that we don't do communion? We don't practice communion. We don't just eat and drink communion. The church has always said we celebrate communion together. It's something that we celebrate. And just as um, in a celebration, there's, there's often proclamation. Um, for instance, you, know, you, you say, uh, Merry Christmas. You say, Happy New Year. You say, Happy Birthday. And in the same way, in our celebration at the Lord's table, there's a proclamation. Paul says that as often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. And so we're eating, we're feasting together, we're celebrating, and we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And we're not only proclaiming that to one another. We are proclaiming it to one another so we can be encouraged we're also proclaiming it to the unseen powers and forces of this world. We're proclaiming it to heaven and earth that Jesus died and through his death we have gained victory and that Jesus is Lord over all. So we proclaim that to all. Celebratory when we come to this table. And so it's for the, these three reasons that I think Jesus chose a meal as a sacrament and to help us to remember him. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to remember him tonight in the context of a family meal in which we celebrate with one another. Um, and we're going to take communion a little. We've, we've done it this way some, um, but a little different than what you might be used to. And we're going to serve one another. Uh, Paul, when he did address the Corinthians in the text that you just read, and there was all that selfishness and all that fighting, he reminds them of who they are as the people of God. He reminds them of Christ laying down, down his life. And then he said, when you come together, serve one another. Serve one another. That's so much about what the book of Corinthians is about, even when it talks about the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are used to serve one another for God's glory. When we come to the table, we serve one another for God's glory. And so we're going to do that tonight. And so uh, this is how we'll partake, is after you, you take the bread and just, just break off a piece, and you dip it in the wine and take. After you've done that, I want you to take the elements yourself, and then I want you to turn around, and I want you to serve the next person in line. And then they will take... And when we need to take, take the elements and then serve the person behind you. And so we can all serve one another, the broken body and the blood of Jesus.